CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A double whammy from the SEC. Good evening, I'm Mark Hochstein, and this is Late Confirmation from Coindesk, bringing you the top stories from September 11th, 2018. Ethereum developers are working on ways to fight ASIC chips. Soccer coins are coming for French sports fans, or as they call them in France, le fandom. We'll finish up today's podcast by speaking with Coindesk Editor-in-Chief Pete Rizzo about Interstellar. No, not the movie. The new company formed by the merger of Stellar and Chain. What this is a sign of is that the homogeny, or I guess the divisions where, uh, you know, the peas and carrots of the industry are separate, um, that's sort of going away. And what we're getting is this, you know, Thanksgiving plate of (laughs) all the things being mushed together. But first, a word from our sponsor. Master financial technology online with the 10-week Oxford FinTech program. Interacting with an international cohort of business leaders and over 60 guest experts, you'll gain a practical introduction to key financial technologies and their business applications. Find out more at OxfordExecFintech.com. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has charged and reached agreements with two companies and their owners in the crypto space. The regulator alleged that crypto asset management and its principal, Timothy Enneking, had marketed itself under false pretenses, claiming that Anaking raised more than $3 million late last year and claimed the company was, quote, the first regulated crypto asset fund in the U.S. According to the SEC, Anaking and the company agreed to the SEC's cease and desist order and will pay a penalty of $200,000 without admitting or denying the agency's findings. Separately, the SEC accused Token Lot and its owners, Lenny Kugel, and Eli Lewitt of acting as unregistered broker-dealers. The agency said that Token Lot, which described itself as a kind of ICO superstore, received orders from more than 6,100 retail investors and handled more than 200 different digital tokens, which the SEC found included securities. Once again, Kugel, Lewitt, and Token Lot didn't agree to or deny the SEC's findings, but they agreed to pay almost half a million dollars in disgorgement plus almost $8,000 in interest. Lewitt and Kugel will also pay $45,000 each in penalties and agreed to stay out of penny stocks and investment companies for at least three years. Separately, but not entirely unrelated, a federal judge has ruled that a criminal case against two reportedly fraudulent ICOs fall under securities laws. District Judge Raymond Deary ruled Tuesday 
that the case against a pair of allegedly fraudulent ICOs conducted by Brooklyn resident Maxim Zaslavsky would proceed, denying the defendant's motion to dismiss. In the motion, Zaslavsky's lawyers argued that securities laws are unconstitutionally vague as applied to that indictment. But the judge wrote that Congress's purpose in enacting the securities laws was to regulate investments in whatever form they are made and by whatever name they are called. And he added, and this is quite a quote, stripped of the 21st century jargon, including the defendant's own characterization of the offered investment opportunities, the challenged indictment charges a straightforward scam, replete with the common characteristics of many financial frauds. As such, securities laws, as they pertain to the indictment and charges against Zalewski, are not vague, Deary ruled. Notably, the judge didn't say whether or not ICOs are specifically securities. Instead, he said that this can only be a question of proof at trial, based on all the evidence presented to a jury. Some Ethereum community members are backing a proposed code change that would prevent specialized chips, known as ASICs, from centralizing the network's mining power. Constantinople, the upgrade to Ethereum scheduled for next month, would reduce the Ether reward paid to miners to 2 Ether per block from 3 Ether currently. While that by itself won't break the bank for miners, if ASICs grow in popularity, small hobbyist miners would be hit harder by the adjustment. Hence, the push to include ASIC-resistant code in Constantinople. Finally, Paris Saint-Germain, a French soccer team that boasts players like Neymar, I guess he just goes by one name, like Pele, is going to issue its own coin for the fans. The club is partnering with a Malta-based blockchain startup called Socios to launch the token in the spring of next year. Token holders will be able to meet with players and even participate in certain games, and to vote on matters like team jersey choices. Blockchain technology will allow the club to make the polling process more transparent, the management believes. PSG will follow a bunch of other sports clubs in using blockchain for engaging with its fans. This past summer, the Union of European Football Associations completed a trial of a blockchain-based ticketing app. And seven major clubs in the UK's Premier League launched sponsorship payments in Bitcoin. We're just over a week away from the first ever Consensus Singapore. I've been coming to Consensus since before I joined Coindesk. And I'm always struck by the diversity and the energy of this industry. You'll meet all different types of people converging in the same space. You've got early adopters, you've got newcomers, you've got software developers, engineers, entrepreneurs, bankers, regulators, people that you wouldn't expect to even be in the same building. They're all in the same room. It's all happening in Singapore, September 19th and 20th. Register today at coindesk.com events. Now I'd like to welcome back to the show Coindesk's editor-in-chief, Pete Rizzo, to talk about a major transaction that was announced this week. Pete, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mark. So we have a really interesting situation here. Lightyear, a company that's closely tied to a public blockchain network, Stellar, merging with Chain, a firm that had focused on private networks for enterprises. I don't know if this was even conceivable a year ago. 
Pete, what does this transaction say about where the blockchain industry yeah. is headed? Yeah, Mark. Uh, well, it says a lot. Um, and I think, uh, as you noted, um, one of the important things to remember about this acquisition is that Chain was so publicly the face of what we know as enterprise or business blockchain, which means their business model uh, was based on doing proof of concepts. Uh, the idea that back office costs and new products could be created for existing businesses with blockchain dramatically different than, uh, say, a company like Lightyear, which is based on uh, providing services and helping people launch products on the public Stellar network. Uh, here, obviously, as you alluded to, there's a union of two things. But uh, in my interview with Adam Ludwin, who is taking over as CEO, he's the CEO of Chain. He's now the CEO of Interstellar, which is this new company. He was very adamant that this is a natural extension. What he was making the argument is, is that... Um, where he got with Chain is he felt like he was doing these uh, projects for banks and uh, financial institutions, and they felt like they just could only get so far private. They needed a public network to connect to or do different things. I'm not sure, you know, how much of this is uh, what is what, but he s described it as a natural extension of where they were going, and uh, you know, suggesting that maybe enterprises are ready to start looking at public blockchain, and that maybe Chain and its products uh, needed that to continue to grow. That's really fascinating because, you know, as of, you know, even 18 months ago, uh, it was just uh, assumed that uh, public chains were haram from the point of view of, of, of enterprises, particularly banks. Uh -huh. So, so what's, what's changed? Um, well, so they're a little bum on those details. I think that broadly this makes sense within the larger context, right? We've seen IBM, uh, obviously a major, you know, blue chip stock, uh, you know, uh, and one of the largest companies in the world, uh, partner with the Stellar Network and uh, particularly the nonprofit uh, entity of that and uh, try to roll out projects there. I think what we're just seeing is that, you know, this space tends to be a little reactive, right? We saw this huge outgrowth of tokens, uh, public networks that expanded in value really quickly. I think enterprises uh, that were building things and it was tough to get them through the bureaucracy internally. It was tough to, you know, make those projects and get them to light. I think they, you know, are intrigued by what's going on. And I think maybe that's the way to read this is that just, you know, 2017 happened and in 2018, we're just seeing uh, the result of that is the businesses are getting more comfortable with this. Um, you know, also in the case of uh, Chain and uh, Adam speaking about the acquisition was just that, you know, uh, having having the ability to do business with institutions and then uh, providing open source technology for a public network, obviously, they're different specialties. Yeah, you know, you would, you you noted in your article that uh, in its earliest iterations, Chain uh, was focused on providing products for Bitcoin developers, mm -hmm. uh, and then they pivoted to enterprise. Is it fair to think of this as a pivot back? Uh, I'm not sure I would go that far. I think Adam really uh, tried to choose his words carefully, but I also think this space, uh, you know. Um, I think we tend to try to use the word pivot as if it's a bad thing. Uh, is it a pivot? Uh, in in a way, yes. I mean, he was doing one thing and now he's doing another thing. Um, you know, in his interview, I asked him about this. He's explored things different ways. And I think his last quote of that article is, you know, are we, have we done different things? Like, hell yeah. Uh, and, you know, he had a lot of enthusiasm for that. And I think he's right, right? It's early days in, in the industry as a whole. Uh, we don't really know where... Uh, you know, what private networks are very useful for public networks. Um, I think what this is a sign of is that the homogeny or I guess the divisions where, uh, you know, the peas and carrots of the industry are separate, um, that's sort of going away. And what we're getting is this, you know, Thanksgiving plate of <laughs> all the things being mushed together. And, you know, Interstellar, you know, potentially could emerge as one of the companies that helps drive that. 
And speaking of mushing together, broadly speaking, what's the outlook for, for M&A in, in the blockchain space going forward? Do you think we're going to see more deals like this one? Well, we've seen a lot this year for sure. I think the major one that we've talked a lot about on this podcast is the BitTorrent uh, deal, uh, obviously a huge uh, Web 2.0 company that was acquired by the founder of Tron. I think Chain, obviously, you know, you're not talking about a run-of-the-mill startup here. This was a banner uh, of the business blockchain industry. They were you know, headlining consensus, headlining money 2020. Um, uh, I think this size, I'm not sure, right? This is a company that I think was among the larger and more public in the industry. I think we've seen a lot of smaller deals. We'll probably continue to see smaller deals. Um, but, you know, we don't know. I think these things uh, tend to have long time cycles, right? Uh, I think, um, you know, in February, March, when everybody was <laughs> had a pocket full of change, I think there are probably a lot of these deals started. I'm interested to see what else is out there. But my guess is what we're seeing is not activity from now. It's actually, uh, you know, just in the huge run up, um, everybody got very ambitious. And, you know, there were some huge deals that came about. I would be very skeptical to think that you would continue to see that just because the liquidity in the crypto markets right now has obviously died down. Well, we'll uh, keep tabs on this as it progresses. Pete, thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. Late Confirmation is brought to you by Oxford University's Said Business School. You can now study fintech entirely online with Oxford University's Said Business School. The 10-week program gives you the tools you need to build the future of transactions and commerce. You'll explore emerging technologies that will disrupt marketplaces and financial services and examine the state of the industry and plan disruptive intra- and entrepreneurial interventions. Throughout the program, you'll be exposed to key ideas, principles, and frameworks from CEOs of leading startups, corporate leaders, and instructional leaders at the forefront of research in the space of future commerce and transactions. Find out more at OxfordExecFintech.com. For more on today's stories and to subscribe to our newsletter, check out Coindesk.com. You can find us on Twitter, at Coindesk. If you're enjoying the show so far, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. For Coindesk, I'm Mark Hochstein, and this has been Late Confirmation. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.